Hey, what's lefty. going on? Hey, Lefty. Hey, Lefty, what you say? Welcome into the wrap up show on the Lucky Lefty podcast. Notre Dame narrowly gets a victory at home. 32 to 29 came down to a last second drive, two minute drive. Notre Dame gets the ball back with about a minute and 30 on the clock. Four plays later, they're in the end zone. Touchdown pass to Michael Mayer from Jack Cohn, who on the play before actually dislocated his middle finger, hitting it on a Toledo linebacker's helmet. As he was trying to attempt a pass that ended up in a pass interference call, uh, defensive back defending Michael Mayer. Next play, they go four verts. Michael Mayer stems him to the outside real quick and then up the seam. Perfect pass. Honestly, I'll say this, a pass – that if another quarterback was quarterback and he probably wouldn't have pulled the trigger on that pass, but I'm glad Jack Cohn was the guy. So it's a lot to talk about with this game. Uh, the debut of Tyler Buckner. We can get into that as well. Uh, we're going to get into the defensive mistakes. Once again, giving up big plays, having an opportunity to get a stop late in the game to seal a win coming up empty. And then we're going to talk about Brian Kelly and his post-game comments, specifically asked about the offensive line, and he said there was no problem. So <laughs> there's no issue with the O-line. And it, you know what? At the end of the day, I don't have a problem with that, and I'll tell you why I don't have a problem with that when we get to it. But first, we want to go over Malik Gave us three keys to the game. Of course, I'm here with the original lefty Malik Zaire himself. You back at it. Yes, sir. Your first key to the game was not allowing this game to play out the way it did. <laughs> Basically. That was your first key to the game. So I'll just let you take the stage, man. Yeah, it's definitely a classic Notre Dame uh scare scare event where a team that shouldn't be on the same field as us ends up almost implanting their flag on our field and and it just goes to the show you that Brian Kelly might just be the most tone deaf quarterback offensive guru out there in terms of you do nothing but create another news issue another article another Another problem that you don't need this early in the season, putting a guy like Tyler in there that has a lot of talent, that if he pops on a couple plays, now you got a whole controversy on your hands. And regardless of how supportive the other guy is, that's a momentum killer for your offense. Just because there's two different styles, clearly that was ran in the game, and it just becomes corny throughout the game. I think Coach Kelly saw – the little glimpse of how it worked for Florida State last week and, and felt really good about trying to Tyler Buckner out this week. But it just proves that not only that, but we're an offense that if we don't get momentum in our drives, we don't have true playmakers really to stimulate out of nothing plays when it when it needs to. When it goes Tyler Buckner in there, it's about Tyler Buckner. When it goes to Jack Cohn in there, it becomes about Michael Mayer. But the two need to meld. It needs to be Tyler Buckner 
goes in, it's about Michael Mayer and then Tyler Buckner. So it uh it's hard. It's hard to win games like that. You're gonna have a lot of stagnant uh play from your quarterback position. You know, you may pop, but it's nothing consistent. It's a gimmick offense. The other team decided to do it. And when they did it, it became a gimmick. So uh, you know, what can you what much much more can you ask for, you know? Yeah, you're not a fan of that two quarterback system at all. But it does go to the point where I said we should have put Tyler Buckner out there in the beginning anyway. Because <laughs> we know that he has the ability to get that extra dimension and with the offensive line not being as uh as secure as years before, even though that was a high standard. Um, you know, you, you're gonna get a lot of sacks. Yeah. Jack showed us why he was a Big Ten quarterback in the beginning. Doesn't have a very strong arm. He's not going to – yeah, he's not going to say – if we're not making plays with our playmakers, he's going to look very average. And, you know, and then you start putting in other guys as he's trying to manage the game, which is yeah. which is his job. you just messing up the, the system itself at that point. So I just think that – it's going to be a struggle all season if we continue that. I think Tyler Buckner obviously showed what he can do. But then again, it's Toledo, another team that is not going to be in the playoff conversation when it comes down to it. So a better team, if we did that with, I don't think we'll come out with the victory. Yeah, my prediction, I predicted actually, and we talked about it when we previewed this game, that I thought Toledo, a very good Mac team, very good offense, I thought they would put up about 27 points. Yeah. I think my prediction was like 51 to 24. Mm-hmm. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, I said that the game would be tight early. And I really thought in the third quarter, Notre Dame would start to pull away. And, and yeah. up, so we do things like put Chris Tyree on fourth and one runs and stuff. Like, that's just, that's just that not, was, not that smart. And that was after a timeout. Yeah, so you come out, and and that's stuff that's similar when I was there. We put our guy, Amir Carlisle, in I formation against Purdue when they got 6'5", D linemen across the board on 4 for 1. Of course we're not getting no push. I don't think we should ever continue to put Chris Tyree in inside run type of plays. That just doesn't make sense. But the things that does make sense is where you scored a touchdown on, running on the outside, you know, so – we do things at the worst times. I think Coach Kelly's trying to keep Kyron Williams at school because, you know, we're not using him as much as we should in, in, in moments that, you know, last year he was making those making those plays. This year, you know, not not that we're not using him, but we getting more people involved. Kyron did have a big touchdown run, and I want to get to the offensive line in a second. But you talked about Jack Cohn, and I know a lot of Irish fans were upset, and like you said, all of a sudden, he's the much ballyhoo freshman. He comes off the bench. He makes some plays. He has a package that's strictly structured for him to his strengths. And I will say this. Coach Kelly mentioned in the press conference that he felt like his team, he said his biggest disappointment is that his team was flat. And he took the blame for that. He was like, I don't know how in the world we could come out and be flat today, but we were flat. We didn't have any energy on the line. We have flat players, though. We don't have no exciting 
players on our offense to really no one swaggy, right? Kyron yeah. might well, Kyron and, and, and Kevin Austin, but they're not in that system, they're not what Chase Claypool is for Pittsburgh right now, right? Right, what Chase is for Pittsburgh right now, he wasn't that Chase at Notre Dame, mm. so. When you come, talk about being flat, of course, Chase is an exciting player to follow now. But that's the same player that was at Notre Dame you didn't even know. They call him Mapletron now. So right. we don't even have – we wasn't calling him Mapletron at that point in time, but he was on our team as well and didn't shine like – or was the exciting non-flat player that he is today. It's amazing you say that because I was upset that they took the interception from my boy early in the game because the, the the volleyball bump that he made to try and keep that ball off the ground. And I was like, man, he really showing his first round self right here with that. Bro, they would have gave him that. And I'm upset because he, he he has some missed assignments and a big missed tackle. Big missed tackle on the on, run. On a touchdown, I mean, not a touchdown run, but the 60-yard run by Kovac. And, and we'll get to that. But when he made the interception, and I was just really shocked, man, because I saw because I saw a lot of Notre Dame fans on social media upset with Kyle Hamilton when he took his helmet off. And I, for me, I'm like, yo, I've been waiting for some swag like that. No, for sure. And it was like when he made that interception yesterday, I don't know if people picked up on it. He ran over to the camera and acted like he was going to take his helmet off. And then was like, oh no, 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 no. And I'm yeah. like, no, that's what we do. Yeah, take the helmet off, do it again. That's the energy. Like, you know, he purposely did it, like, no, I'm not gonna yeah. do it this week. And I'm like, man, let's go. Let's do let's it. That that's, gonna take, that's what takes us over the hump. Yeah. Takes us over the hump when we need it. And for offense, that's the problem. You know, we 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 want to be a non-flat team, but we play. We come out flat. Our tradition is flat. As a, as an exciting offense, you know. Now, when you, when you say our tradition, it's flat in terms of we're not. We you don't think of the Kansas City style of offense when you think of the Notre Dame offense. Gotcha. Gotcha. That's not that's not our type of offense. Yeah. So. When we're not getting explosive plays or or big momentum plays, all our great plays and great touchdown drives came from big plays that follow from there for. So if we're not catching a big play and then catching rhythm with the offense off of those big plays, we are a flat offense. Yeah. I mean, look at look at the guys on our team. We're not there's not a singular guy outside of Kyron that if we just start giving him the ball enough, he'll start making stuff happen and getting things going. We need play design to get explosive plays that therefore everybody else can play off of. So when we're not using Tyler Buckner to scramble off for a 30, 40 yard run or Jack throwing it down the field and giving our guys a chance, it just doesn't look consistent enough with what the, the type of things that we're doing offense. I mean, we're going to run the ball, or two, we're going to try to play action something. And if we don't hit, like those drives where they had scored and we came back and we go three and out real quick, well, that's our offense. You know, that's our offense. If we're not trying to hit for a big play, we become very uh, hard to watch, you know, if that makes sense. It's so funny because I guess you're right. You come out, you're down, 
It's a minute 30 left, and it seems like Tommy Reese just said, you know what, forget it. We're going four verse. <laughs> like, yo, yeah. like if we're going down, we're going down, make trying to make big plays. And it was right. actually refreshing. It was actually That's refreshing. Right. And it was amazing <laughs> how the, the pass protection all of a sudden stepped up in that position as well. So I want to get to Jack Cone because you talk about the energy. Jack Cone is a common presence, but he's not a, a vocal leader. He's not someone that you're going to pull energy from, you know, as far as the rest of the offense or even the team. He's not somebody that's going to be walking up and down the sidelines getting everybody pumped up. He just has a really cool demeanor. But so, even if he is, you're not you're not believing in it necessarily. That's just right. like you said. He's he's very similar to Tommy Reese. Tommy Reese is not the 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 vocal rah rah type of guy either. He's a guy that's going to go in there and do his job. He's going to take some shots, be greedy, be gritty. But it's it's more of a a piece of a team, you know. From an it factor on offense, is not something that we really have. Yeah, but, for, but Jack is just like all the Big Ten quarterbacks. You know, the ones that you see at Michigan State and Michigan that can can pop sometimes. But at a place like Notre Dame, where you're on the center stage like that, everybody's playing you at their best. That's not a position where you you can survive and and meet the expectations that everybody is anticipating. Yeah, not having an it factor like that. So when Tyler Buckner came in. Do a little bit more run, can can make some good plays here and there with his arm. You know, it gives that it factor that is expected almost as as a Notre Dame fan base and and watching the and and, and watching us perform. You want to see that excitement from that position specifically, yeah. Because that that you know that's going teams are going to play us their best like in Toledo, and it's not going to be a game where we can sit there and just. Can we, really, can we really say Toledo gave us gave Notre Dame their best though? I don't yeah, think Toledo I mean, played their best. If Toledo doesn't doesn't take those or doesn't play soccer with us in the beginning first half, they might beat us by two touchdowns. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, they, I don't think that they would. Obviously, they they used to putting up a lot of points against other MAC teams with a top ten team like that. I mean, this would have been the second time. They've ever beat a team like this. So, yeah, I'm not too surprised. So we go from Jack Cohn and you being able to – well, maybe not, because I think the offensive lines you played behind were probably a little – Those are Hall of Fame. Those are Hall of Fame offensive lines. Yeah. But to speak on just the mentality, you got to think Jack's a fifth-year quarterback. Right. You know, he just had the game of his life. Florida State against an unranked Florida State team. Yeah. Comes back against a MAC team that we're supposed to put 51 on, and you out here giving momentum plays and all the swing to the freshman that he spent all this time trying to beat out. And for a one-year guy to see that success, and it's kind of like writing on the wall. It's like the Jalen Tua situation. There's no real loyalty to a Jack Cone when you, Tyler Buckner is coming along throughout the season. And for Jack not to be a it factor quarterback, I mean, I don't know how much else you can expect outside of the transition in Tyler to finish the season. Now, see, that's interesting because we knew coming in that this would be number one a transitional season. We talked about that. 
Uh, Brian Kelly talked about that. When we get over to the defensive side of the ball, he spoke about that and what he wants moving forward into Purdue, which is very interesting. But staying with the offense, we knew this would be a transitional season. We knew that Jack Cohn would be a placeholder to bring in a veteran quarterback that has played a lot of games that can lead an offense. I don't think probably until the middle of spring practice, Brian Kelly realized the troubles he had at offensive line, which is why he went through the transfer portal to go get Kane Madden from Marshall, who was awful on yesterday. And we'll get to that as well. Um, I just don't think with, with what you just said and it being a transitional season, I don't have a problem. It's very similar to what we're experiencing here in Chicago, right, with the whole Justin Fields thing and Andy Dalton being a transitional quarterback. That's the same thing with Jack Cohn. But at which point, when you have a guy like Tyler Buckner, who has some pop and, and definitely is the best playmaker they have at quarterback, he's definitely the best playmaker. And if you look at the game, there are a couple of plays where he rolled out he definitely had Braden Lindsay on the post if he pulls the trigger on the RPO. Yeah. And, and he had Kevin Austin uh, in between his own as well if he had pulled the trigger. But his mindset was just probably, man, you know, get the ball to Kyron or make a play at that point in the game. He didn't want to make a mistake in the passing game. So at what point in this season are you saying, okay, let's make the full transition? to this kid and Jack, thank you for what you've done for us. Or do you just ride with Jack as long as you're winning games? Well, this is why I said this should have been handled in the spring. You know, if you're going to go with Jack, go with Jack the full season, like LSU did with Joe Burrow, like uh, Jalen did in Baylor. I mean, at Oklahoma, just let him ride out that one year, develop those young guys, get more confidence and stick to it. Or you start the year, you ride out the bumps with the freshman, Tyler Buckner, let him get better with the young guys around him, which are going to develop, and the next season will be better. Coach Kelly butchers quarterback situations every time. And you're going to continue to see a struggling offense because the main problem is they're indecisive. You're going to keep flipping back and forth. These teams are not going to flip back and forth like Toledo did. And that quarterback is going to go in there and continue to get rhythm. Where they're going to give up explosive plays to other teams. So it's it's just a matter of time before it all goes downhill. Coach Kelly can save the situation this week. He can just say, I'm just going to start Tyler moving forward. That's it. We're going to ride the season out with our guy, see what happens. He's a true freshman. But if he can develop this season with young guys, I promise you the next season is going to be better and we'll be in a better shape. Or the experiment and wanting to have Pop, you're not going to get that with Jack. So if you think that Pop and Tyler Buckner in there every week now and then, and then if he gets hot, you just ride with him, it's going to be a long season. And we saw what happened when we did that, and we were 4-8 and eight in 2016. Mm, yeah. Now that is very interesting because you pointed at 2016 season – which was probably a pain. This definitely is a painful memory for most Notre Dame fans. A lot of promise. The, your return 
And let's talk about that. Let's 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 dig a little bit deeper. That season, and I'll give you my opinion outside looking in. I have no intel. Outside looking in, I always felt like it was it was your team. That's what I felt. I felt like you got injured. I felt like when you got injured, a season that quite possibly could have led to an undefeated season uh, went out the window. I feel like Deshaun came in and did a very, very good job in relief for that season to even continue to have, a you know, to stay in that Clemson game, to come back, almost win that game, ultimately win 10 games. We know at the end of the season, a tough loss in that last game. That's neither here nor there. But I always felt like that was your team. And when you have indecision, especially in the following season in the spring, and then you go into fall camp and it's back and forth and you hear reports about who's doing this, who's getting these reps, who's outperforming who, was there true uh, – were there factions formed amongst the team? Was there a breakdown in the locker room? And how did it ultimately impact that season? Well, yeah, I, I mean, I felt the same way. I thought the 2015 team, I thought I was in position to help lead that team that season. I thought we could have went undefeated as well. And, you know, college football history would have been a little different provided that season go without me getting hurt so early at least just to get through the Clemson game and then who knows. But Deshaun did do a good job getting the team 10 and 2. We played Ohio State that year with all the talented guys that we see in the league now on the team. I mean we still had a very good season. But like you said, I mean, in my opinion it was still my team. Even he told me it was my team. So it's not like I just not only my opinion, but the guy told me that on TV. So it's not a conjecture that I say that. So going into next season, I'm trying to get ready. I, I felt like it was the team was in a position where I'm coming back. It's a younger group of guys, but they know that we can get going in the right way because, you know, a, a year of who I was at that time and just from a leadership perspective, at the least I could do was help these guys develop and us get a chance to go back to the playoffs prior to what I was able to show last year and doing everything Coach Kelly wants. I mean, I didn't have any turnovers, MVP the season uh, before, undefeated as a starter. So I'm thinking that from what I could do, it was the best position from not only an age standpoint, because Deshaun went from a position of not having to lose games, just don't mess it up, to – you put him in there when he wasn't in the, the growing stages of a leader yet. He's just a baby leading a team where he has to win now. And that's not a position that, in my opinion, he was ready for. I mean, in his show. But from a Coach Kelly decision, I just thought, from his perspective, it was, okay, young kid, we get 10-2, and two, get close, no biscuit. But he's a projected first, second rounder if we can just – play the whole season and he lead the charge. Mm. I just thought it was very premature for him, for Deshaun to just continue to to play, even when we were losing, because I don't think that was good for his own ego coming from a 10-2 season. I mean, we had everything you could have wanted to, to 
to not have to win the game. You got Will Fuller, you got CJ, you got the O-line, all the pieces we had. So um, that's a great position to be in as a super young guy. And your ego can feel a little different. You know, you leading a 10 and 2 team down there to the playoffs. You you obviously would think more of yourself than probably what the long-term ability was. And it showed the next year. So I think there was a a deflation of the direction of where we could go when when the guy that we had wasn't the right leader for the team at that moment. I think prematurely he played. And it affected his leadership ability even at the next level. I mean, yeah, he got what he wanted and getting drafted. But, I mean, you go 0-16 as a rookie at, at that point, even though Cleveland wasn't good. But that's still – I think that was just prematurely pushing him into something that if I played that 2016 year, yeah. we have the season we have, he comes back the next year in a, in a, in a more ready position, even if, even if he played a little bit the year before. Because I felt like – you know, when I was playing, you I didn't have to play the whole game because we would have we were kicking ass, you know. Right, what I mean? right. that so he would have got some time, just like how Alabama gets all their quarterbacks in, even when two would be in there, Jalen played and you know, all that stuff. So I think it was just a premature decision to to do that. And it affected not only the team but his career, yeah, my career. And you know, it was a terrible year that year. He almost got kicked out but the whole team got fired pretty much and staff got fired and it was a whole reboot but something that it did need to happen and I can see the writing on the wall with with this team just from knowing the mentality of the quarterback situation the young guy saying okay you why don't why you not let me just ride out I don't have momentum he don't have no momentum he's obviously thinking now there's no loyalty to him because this is Toledo, you know. I thought I was doing all right. So I think this is a, a crux in the season where Coach Kelly just needs to say, I'm going one direction or the other based off of history. And I think we'll be fine if we do that. If we continue to play this game of thinking that that's going to help us win, I don't think it's proven in history it has outside of Urban Meyer, but that's Urban Meyer. <laughs> <laughs> And they had Percy Harvin and the Pouncy Twins, so it's a lot. Right, of- right, <laughs> right. Yeah, it's a little more than just you know C.J. Leak and uh, Tim Tebow. Yeah, and yeah. we don't have that that Percy Harvin just yet. You no, know, we got we got a lot of reboots, but they're good. They're just Percy Harvin, Percy Harvin. Man. Yeah, <laughs> man, Reggie, Bush, Reggie Bush, man. Yeah, it's amazing you said said that. So basically, I'm just cut to the chase. What you're saying is next week when Purdue comes to town, when they come out for that first series, number 12 should be running on the field. Number 12 should have been doing it because now, you know, Purdue not no easy team no matter when we play them. Right. We talked about that. Yeah. It's going to be, I mean, we remember 2011 or was it 2012? Yeah. What it looked like when you was playing Ev and Tommy all game, Ev and Tommy all game, it came down to, the last seconds like last week. So I don't know how many times Coach Kelly got to bump into his head into this situation that he doesn't need to put himself into or the team, but the Purdue game is going to be a struggle. <laughs> and it's amazing. Look, like we said, it's a transitional year. If there's any year to just go ahead and let the youngster rock. This the year. This is the year. 
Because you don't want to stun his brother I don't think, doing this. We love Notre Dame. I don't think anybody came into this season saying Notre Dame is going to win a national championship. Yeah, I don't think anybody did. And that's okay. That is okay. You know, and if we're bringing in Marcus Freeman to take various areas of the program to the next level, and you bring this kid in who is one of the top quarterbacks and possibly somebody that is an outlier to what you talked about is original, what we always see in that Notre Dame quarterback room. He's an outlier. He's a little bit different. A little bit different. So when you get a guy like that, play the outlier. <laughs> like, man, let him rock, let him learn. Because what's the worst that can happen? You know, the worst that can happen, you put a fifth-year guy in there, yeah. seven, he's not going to be any different. You already know what you're going to get from him. If if Tyler gets too bad, then put then put Jack back in there, and then Tyler can learn from it. Yeah. But you want it in reverse. I don't think it's giving Tyler anything but uh, an overinflation of what he can do because you putting him in in packages – where he's running two or three plays and he may pop or not pop, that's not developing your guy for the next year. You, need to, you need to develop a game plan around him going yeah. into a game, let him take all the reps, let him feel like a real starter and not a substitute receiver type sub in on packages. He'll develop that way. You're not going to develop running four or five plays that is basic, you know. And let let the rest of the team have direction. Yeah, let, and, the, let the rest of the team know that this is what a game plan week with Tyler Buckner starting looks like. We already we're not good enough as an O line, or even healthy enough to be running two sets of offenses. Those are two different mindsets. Jack Cohn, you know, you're gonna have to protect all day, keep that pocket in shape. Yeah, Tyler Buckner is okay. I can hold him up. But I know Tyler gonna make me look better. Well, the and linebackers in the defensive line just can't pin their ears back. Yeah, like you, you, you have to worry about him pulling the ball. Backside defensive end has to stay at home. He can't crash down on the running game, and he can't come straight up the field in the pass mm-hmm. rush, which opens up not only Kyron and Chris in the running game, but it also opens up the screen game, which we saw another successful screen yesterday in the third quarter. And I think, like you said, once he begins to rep, not only in practice, but rep in live action, the playbook, and week by week he gets better, the game plan can be really simple. It can be really simple. Because of the talent you have at wide receiver. Malik, you're changing my mind. I'm going to be honest with you. Before we started talking today, I was all about Jack Cone. <laughs> I was all about Jack Cone, but listening that's to you that's right how now, they get you. That's how they get you. You're changing my mind because of who we have, because you have two guys on the outside that can get vertical, because you have a tight end that can demand a double team. It's not a lot that defenses can really do. It's not. So because you got to plug in that player that, that, you gotta yeah. plug in that player that makes it all different. Yeah. You got, you got Michael Mayer who's – requiring double teams. You got Kevin Austin and Brady Lindsay on the outside who should require single team, man to man. That's that's the preferred matchup we want on those two. So in order to get that, you gotta be having those two running backs on the field at the same time 
with a guy that's also a threat. Tyler Buckner with Chris Tyree and Kyron, those are your best three available players yeah. that can open up your best offensive player, which is Michael Mayer. You can't double Michael Mayer when you got to worry about three guys that can hit their head on the goalposts and they're all on the field at the same time. And then if y'all figure that out, that's when Kevin Austin can look like Kevin Austin and Braden Lindsay can look like Braden Lindsay. But until then, nobody's afraid of Jack. So the pass rush becomes relevant. You got you got the, the they're playing different zones now. That's becoming relevant. So we need to minimize what we're doing and stick to what we know is going to be a matchup problem, having those three guys out there. Now that's interesting because that reminds me of this game was very similar to the Ball State game, which eventually led from led to the transition from Brandon Wimbush to Ian Book. And it goes back at the at that time, Chip Long was the offensive coordinator. And there were rumblings that they didn't want to build an offense around the strengths of Brandon Wimbush. They wanted Brandon Wimbush to run their offense. And it's obvious they did that because there's no way that you can it's easy to try to pin a lot on Brandon and then and shape the offense to somehow it just works for Ian because at the end of the day. They was running Ian's offense for Brandon, and Brandon, that just wasn't his fit. You know, there's no way you can just transition that fast, and Ian is like the superstar of the team outright. I mean, I was a part of a setup type of style like that when I was there. There's no way in the world we go up to Texas. I just beat Texas, and – No, you just crushed Texas. I didn't even finish finish the game the year before because we were whooping their butt come back the next year and it's like where are all those plays at i'm out here struggling to get first squeezing out yards here and there but then you put the other guy in and it's just bombs away we scoring one play touchdowns it's just it was it was a clear what it was so it's not a surprise they did that to brand i mean you look at the miami game i mean you're like where's the offense at you know you got brandon out here looking to fish out of water so, I mean, it's obvious, but in this, it's just that's why I say Coach Kelly's the most tone deaf quarterback, offensive coach out there, head coach out there. He's butchering his quarterback situations, dating back to even Dane Chris. You know, I would even say that, <laughs> that Dane Chris leading into the Tommy, leading into the Ev, leading into the me and Deshaun Bout. It just, it just makes Notre Dame football a lot harder to watch offensively, but. When you got a guy and you rock with a guy like Ian Book for three, four years straight, you get positive things. You know, it just shows what it can look like when you don't believe that a two-quarterback system works. All right, man. Let's get to the offensive line. We can talk about that particular subject. All day. Keep going. That'll be like another hour. We'll never get to the defense. Yeah. Maybe we can get to it during the week a little bit more. We'll see what Brian Kelly has to say in his press conference. But I want to go to the offensive line. As I said before, Michael Carmody was in for Blake Fisher. He's out six to eight weeks after having surgery on his meniscus. You have Kane Madden, Josh Love. Jared Patterson was supposed to be your left tackle until the ascension of Blake Fisher during camp, which allowed him, the All-American, preseason All-American, to go back to his natural position as center. I'm cool with that. Center is a, a position where you need your leader. And uh, he's connected to the quarterback, has all your calls. 
he leads the offensive line. I'm really not upset with that performance on that last drive. I thought they stood up and passed pro. But I will say this. I understand why Kyron has the tippy toes. Because if Kyron, if that offense, offensive line has been going up against that defensive line and camp, they've been getting dominated. <laughs> Based upon what I'm saying. They've been getting dominated. And if they've been getting dominated in practice, I understand why Kyron early in the season is coming out, like tiptoeing up to the line, trying to figure out where's the hole. Yeah. And I think that, uh, Kyron's season will get better if Tyler Buckner plays. That's just my opinion. But the offensive line, the offensive line, look, we're we're so used to seeing Hall of Fame guards and tackles. This is what a regular offensive line looks like in college football. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I'm like. I I agree with Coach. There's nothing wrong. You know what? So those fans have been spoiled. That's it. We just like, oh my God, what is this? This is normal. There's only one Zach Martin. There's only one Ronnie Stanley. There's only one Mike McGlinchey, one Quentin Nelson, one Liam Eikenberg. You know, he can even go that far. But this is what an average offensive line looks like in the college football landscape. Even Clemson's offensive line looks average. That's similar to Auburn and their top 10 teams. It's just when you don't have Hall of Fame tackles and guards every year. Yeah. That's why there's nothing wrong. It's, it's just what it looks like. We just obviously got to get better. You know, guys are going to get better with more starts, but you got one guy with double-digit starts and everybody else with less than 10. So what do you guys want? <laughs> I mean, you know, it it, it, it it goes back to, well, what's that quarterback position? Is that an it-factor position? We know we got an it-factor running back, it-factor tight end. Somebody's got to put it together. So – why not the young guy? It's so amazing. I can't name this is me. I'm talking about on the next level. Everybody you just named is or talked about at the next level. Like, the next level. And have headlines. Offensive linemen don't got no headlines like our guys do. I don't know any Clemson offensive lineman talked about at the next level. None. But they talk about the quarterbacks at the next level. They even announced that Zach Martin was missing the Cowboys Tampa game, and they they was assuming that the Cowboys all might wasn't going to win. They said, "Oh, that was, that's not enough if Zach's missing." It's a guard, right? They talk about oh. they're not going to win because Zach's not in the game. That's that's a Notre Dame line. So what? What? <laughs> oh, basically, yeah, we got to deal with a, what a regular offensive line looks like. You know, I mean, that's just what it is. Like this is the luxury of why Notre Dame has been so good. But then again, when you're getting three-year offensive linemen, you're going to get a young offensive line eventually. You know, you're going to get some young guys. With a little residue with a guy like Jared Patterson with previous O-lines and previous guys he's been around, but I'm not worried about the offensive line. I think, in fact, we have a good offensive line compared to everybody else outside of, like, Bama. But, you know, credit to us. Uh, once again, trans- transitional year. Jeff Quinn, offensive line coach, took a lot of heat yesterday. And like you said, this is an average offensive yeah. line. It's, what it's you- good. I'm not going to say average. It's, it's a good offensive line, but average to what we're used to. Are you still now, after you watched one game without Blake Fisher, are you still poo-pooing his injury? Like, 
Oh man, it's it's not that big. Uh, it's definitely. I mean, he's a young guy, so you saw some of those things that we were getting hit on sacks outside of just the one on ones where. Some of the stunts, I don't think he could have handled the one stunt on third down they brought where they, well, I can talk about it. Obviously, I don't have nothing to show, but some of those things that they bring are just experience type of plays where you got to be in there to enough times to kind of catch on. I think he'll obviously make us a lot better, but he's still a young guy. At Florida State game, he was getting beat a couple times. So Yeah, they had – D-E-D-T stunts. They had D-T-D-T stunts with the linebacker crashing in. Yeah, and that's stuff you get used to in the game. You're not going to see that type of stuff in practice when it's real. I mean, and usually you're running it back in practice to see it again. You know, in real life, you just need experience. And then, you know, Kyron or Chris would release. The linebacker would immediately come on the blitz. And no one ever said, like, yo, the release is open. Like, you know, quick release, just pop it to him, get four or five yards, let's come back and go. Of course, Tommy was aggressive yesterday. Jack was holding the ball. Jack was holding the ball, trying to make the big plays down the field. That led to some sacks as well, uh, holding on, waiting for receivers to come open. And I think Jack got a little shell-shocked. Yeah, well, you see the crowd going crazy for the freshmen coming in there. Yeah. You gotta make plays too. You like I can't just let him make all the big plays. I gotta do what I'm good at. Throw that thing up. It yeah, just, we ain't got the protection for it. But that's two style offenses. But even before that, I think Toledo rattled him when they, you know, sack fumble. You know, they were hitting him even when they didn't sack him. The pick six, tip balls, tip balls, all of that. And you know, Jack, for he had to get back to himself. You know, he had it's he was shot for a little while. He had to get back to himself. And I think that situation, that's why I said to you, one of the worst decisions Toledo made when Finn turns the corner, and I know a lot of people will be upset with this. Finn turns the corner and it's clear that he's gonna score a touchdown. Yeah. I'm like, go down. Go down in bounds for yeah. force Notre Dame to take that last time out. Take that time out. And run the clock down and kick a field goal and get out of here. With yeah, get out of there on some on some loop right down the middle. Absolutely, of course he's a he's a young guy. He's not thinking and he want to score. He like I'm I'm at Notre Dame. I'm trying right. to score. Man. Right. <laughs> and we're like, but that's the thing about Notre. Dame. Coach Kelly is like Tom Brady when it comes to situations like those. But that situation, not, not a ranked team, Jack Cole too. Not a ranked team, but yeah. an unranked team. Oh, we're Tom Brady in that. Coach Kelly's Tom Brady in that situation. Don't give us no time. Right. Because we're going to find a way to either score or you you so hyped up in the moment, you're going to mess it up yourself. So that's, you know, that's just the, the what you get when you play at Notre Dame. You get you get overhyped. Yeah. That touchdown, Jesus, behind you, you're like, oh, this is, this is it. You know, this is it. <laughs> Once again, a dominant game by Michael Mayer. Um. We can't get him point. He's on. He, dude. He. <laughs> yeah. Keep he might end up with hundred. He might end up with hundred receptions. Eifert, Eifert, Michael Floyd type of season. After crazy numbers, touchdowns each and every week. Definitely each get double week. digit touchdowns. Fortunately, he has to come back next year because he's only a sophomore. Yeah. Um, but in the block, in his run blocking is is still. I understand why they have him. Detached a lot in yeah, the offense. 
and use other uh, other tight ends to run block because uh, his run blocking is something. I just want to see the effort. I, I just want to see the effort. That's all. Like if, you, if you're not good at it, everybody can't be good at that. Not everybody can be good every, dude. Every because I remember by the time Tyler Eifert left, he had he had gotten much better. But they but when Tyler Eifert first got there, he was blocking. <laughs> he yeah, started he much started started along than Michael Mack. Oh, absolutely. We, we, Started winning and kicked him to the outside. Right. Started balling on the outside. Right. With Ev and Tommy just throwing it up. That was a progression. Yeah, it was a progression. Michael Mayer is coming in, catching. He's like, I'm not back. Right. This is how I'm going to make my bread right here. I'm making my bread. I'm catching that thing. (laughs) And he's more of a Travis Kelsey, though. You know, he's, you know, more shifty that, uh, that, that Ertz, what's his name? Zach Ertz from, from the Eagles. Right. That's more his style. Now, I like if the, how the combo was last year with a Tommy Tremble who will get in there and get dirty. The yeah. And then you get a Michael Mary in there. Him and Tommy, I mean, that's a beautiful combination. You know, beautiful combination. So, I don't think we should treat Michael Mayer like a Troy Nicholas. You know, he's more of a Spacey Mount Eifert. But he right. can block. You know, he can. But he know where his money's at. He trying to hit them reception uh, records. Got to. Got to. You're building that tape. You know what I'm saying? You want to get that handshake. Yeah, absolutely. That handshake and that hat. From the bell, baby. But, you know, I don't think that he should be apologetic about it because I know Coach Kelly's going to keep throwing it to him. You know, I think same thing for Kyle. I don't think you should stop taking off your helmet. Shit, if you you almost had three picks in two games, I'd take off my helmet again. Let me ask you a question. Kyron, should they go more because of the offensive line? Should they go more to single back eye formation rather than offset RPO linebackers can flow because they know it's only two things that can really happen with him being offset. If he's in the eye, he can go to both sides. Right. You don't know which side they're going to. The way the offensive line is right now, as you said, good, just a little bit above average. Would that help out the offensive line? And would it help Kyron out as well? Especially if you're running like a stretch play where he likes to be patient and pick his hole and then explode. I'm telling you, it, it depends on the quarterback. If I think when Tyler Buckner scored with Chris Tyree, that's the most – deadliest package that we have as a mm. unit. Because if you see it, the fake was the Kyron. They was like, we have to respect that. Now you got Chris Tyree and Tyler Buckner, which are also problems, which they came up to address. I mean, Tyler Buckner kept running that, running it. So the corner had to come up. Now you leaving Chris Tyree, one of the fastest players on the team on the outside, against nobody. Because you got that point, Chris Ty- uh, uh, Buckner and, and Kyron Williams are enough. To worry about then you put that third element in there with chris tyree and you get things like explosive touchdown plays so the split back is our best formation with with tyler in there if jack's in there i mean it's going to be very traditional you have to throw some extra tight ends in there Mm -hmm. run some off unbalanced stuff with michael mary and play action 
But if we single back and thinking we're 2015 where we can just put CJ in back there and just run left and right and not care, it's one and one. <laughs> That's still one of my favorite teams, man, because they were so disrespectful. Oh, man. We, 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 we were going left and right. We ain't hiding it. <laughs> every other week, it was like, oh, now they have to face this great defensive line. North Carolina State comes in. Something has to give. They're great yeah. against the run. Yeah, we'll just put up 250 on them. Yeah, we'll just put up 250 running it left and right. We don't even – we wasn't even doing the zooms that much. Like, no, it's was... – Just line up. <laughs> left, right. Can you get off a Q's block? Yes and no. Can you get off with a Q and Ronnie double team? Yes and no. And I remember – ah, oh, what's his name? Man, this case for Monty plays for the Denver Broncos. Uh, he was a def- great defensive lineman. For uh, Chubb, Chubb. Chubb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bradley Chubb. And uh, I remember him being uh, interviewed. I remember him being interviewed before the NFL draft. And it was like, he was like, uh, they asked him, who's the toughest matchup for you this year? And he was like, them Notre Dame boys. Yeah, 100%. At that time, yeah, hell yeah, better be. <laughs> he's like, he was like the left tackle and the guard. No, but and 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 you talk about somebody that you know he's like a fifth year starter right now, veteran, highest on the team, paid type. I mean, we was giving them hell. Ronnie and Q together is a dangerous combo. You know, Ronnie just signed a hundred million dollar contract, so it's just like, yeah, you talking about real guys out there, man. My manhood (laughs) wouldn't let me quit, (laughs) (laughs) but. I would have looked at the coaches like, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. I hear what you're telling me to do. And you're making it sound real simple. Yeah, but it's – But know, let me tell you, dude. Mike McGlinchey, Q, Nick, Martin. I mean, you talking about dudes. These dudes – yeah, these dudes are a different breed. Dudes. But, oh, shout out to, you know, Harry Heastan out there, Chicago offensive line coach that was our coach. No, he used to be be the Bears' offensive line. Oh, he's not there right now? Oh, they got rid of him like two years ago. He was a scapegoat. He was there, then he left, then he He went back. One year. One year. And they got rid of him. And Brian Kelly's too stubborn to bring him back. And that's a shame because that's the best coach Coach Kelly's ever hired. You know, I mean, put out Zach, Ronnie, Nick. The track record is there. I mean, it's for college and that program and what how well-respected Harry Heastan is. That's my favorite coach, best coach I've ever played with, even though I went off. And before we get to the defense, that's like the dopest. That's one of my favorite coaches in my life was probably the meanest coach to me. <laughs> oh, my really? mom didn't like him, right? Because really? <laughs> he would call me everything, every name under the sun. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? He had a little nickname for me that my mother didn't like. Yeah. But I was going to be prepared. Oh, 100%. You you going in there, no game is too big at that point. No, no. Okay. And it didn't matter. It was like, all right, I can take that. I got him. Because <laughs> I knew I was going to be prepared. I knew he was going to have me at the top of my game. 100%. You know, and that's – I don't care – Harry Heastan probably rubbed a lot of the young men the wrong the wrong no, way. They didn't. They 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 hundred million dollar men right now, man. Yeah, man. Yeah. He I know they love him right now. Oh, they made him first round men. Yeah, 
They he brought out he brought out Q's personality because Q was already mean coming in, but he got Q in the right way of using it. I mean, Q's a professional football player since day one under Harry Easton. So shout out to him. Let's go to the defensive side of the ball. Second week in a row, bro, giving up big plays. Second week in a row, struggling with the wheel route. Linebackers taking the wrong angle, coming across. It's like Toledo looked at the film, saw the same thing the Florida State did, said, man, at some point during the game, we're going to have to get this play. The counter worked against us for a big touchdown for Jay Sean Corbin. What does Toledo do? We're going to come back with the counter. And they had a big play with it. We Wrong fit by the linebackers once again. Shout out to J.D. Bertrand, who was all over the place yesterday. He was. That kid right. was phenomenal. My thing is, is that that's what I feel like that's what we signed up for. We know we're going to give up explosive plays because we're aggressive. And running a three down front like that, we got to have dudes at linebackers. I don't think we have rangy enough guys there. We got guys that can do their job, but you need range when you're playing in a system like that where you're blitzing and gotten three down and you're popping guys out and all that. That works when you're going against teams in conferences like Cincinnati where, you know, your linebackers is as big as, you know, your DNs almost. You know, everybody's pretty much the same size. But, you know, when you're going against established teams like a Stanford, they're eating that shit up. Unless you got – And we got to put in two weeks. Unless you got Jalen Smith back there. Unless you got, you know, guys that are really Jeremiah Wusu type of athletic. Because you're going to have to share blocks, you're going right. to have to read and cut back, and you're going to have to run with slots. And I love Drew White, but Drew White's not running with number eight from Toledo. No. None of our linebackers are running with number eight from Toledo, so you're going to be open. They're just going to be open. So, you know, I think that's, like I said, I think giving Marcus Freeman another year and getting his guys in there will address that. But right now, I mean, that's just not the – we don't have the linebackers to be shutting stuff down like we would in different defenses. And you've been talking about that. Like once the linebackers get in place, the people that he wants, and he's been recruiting those long, lanky, rangy guys, uh, not only coming in next year, but the class that's behind that. Yeah, because you damn near need guys like Kyle Hamilton playing linebacker, you know, yeah. playing in that. Because it's not, it's not, I'm not going to give too much fault on Kyle in that secondary because it's hard once you get on that second level. And you saw how they ran that combo, uh, that counter. That, that, <laughs> you got the lineman running on second level. You right. Know, on the second, third level. It's, what you going to do with that? You know, what you going to do? Yeah, but you have to be a sure tackle. You expect your All American to make that open field tackle. Mm-hmm. You That's know, like Brian Kelly's like, I'm cool with giving up every now and then in the game. You're going to give up a 20 yard run. It just can't be 60. Can't be 60. Can't be 60. And corners, I'm like, where the team speed at on the back end? Them corners. Well, Cam, Cam, Cam Hart finally called him. I'm like, Kojak is, wasn't that fast. He didn't look that fast. Like, no. he, he running too stiff. And I'm like, wait a minute. And I'm like, the corners is struggling to catch up. I'm like, he's not. He doesn't look like he's a burner. He's too stiff running like that. So. Yeah, but you expect your All-American to make that play. And that was something that was a theme offensively and defensively that kind of had me upset after the game. In a game like that, you can't afford to have your best players making those mistakes. 
Yeah. It, we're going down to salt this game away and put get another six. Kyron, you can't fumble that ball. You can't. You can't get the Kyron's a back though, but Kyron's a back. You, you got to keep giving him the ball all game. He's not a back you can give 10 times and throw it to him a couple times because you're not yeah. gonna get you're not gonna get last year's Kyron. But that's why, you know, I go back to the conspiracy yeah. podcast that they trying to keep him at school, but that's just a whole nother conversation. I say uh, Isaiah Foskey, one of your favorite players. I watch him. He's not a to it, so that's why I think it throws me off. The, the seven, the seven be throwing me off because I'm thinking oh, two it, 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 big to it and to it kicking ass. Let, let me let me let me tell you my biggest issue with him right now. Watching him, super talented, super talented. I'm just his engine right now. Yeah, that's what it is. Oh, man. You see him make a play like that sack, and you're like, damn, right. I forgot he was out there. Where you been right. at all day? Right. He's been doing that the whole time. I've literally seen him a couple of times, like, just give up on the pass rush. And like, and, and, look, and, and not and, and just be playing patty cake trying to look at absolutely. the back. Like, absolutely. It's like, no, no, man. Especially when you had Jason Adam Adamio Imola. And, I, like, uh, I like him. Kurt Heinrich like had. Kurt Heinrich struggled yesterday. Yeah. Uh, Myron came up with the big strap, uh, strip uh, sack to seal the game. And they got pressure on and off, but I felt like there should have been a lot more pressure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Should have been, yo, know, Bradley should have been under tremendous pressure. And for the most part, especially in that second half, I feel like that third quarter to the middle of the fourth, they shut Toledo down yeah. and basically kept Notre Dame in the game. And that's, that's, the, that's, the, that's, our, that's our usual roadmap. You know, our yeah. defense is going to keep us in that game, regardless of how stagnant we usually are yeah. uh, on offense. And I think – I don't think we can live like that this year because, like we said, Toledo didn't play soccer with us first half. They right. might beat us by two touchdowns. Easy. Yeah. You know, and easy. If, it wasn't, if it wasn't for the pressure on a couple of plays, they had receivers wide open. Yeah. That's they had receivers wide open. And one pass, I think it was a quick post. I forget who the receiver was. Slot receiver beat uh, Kyle Hamilton to the inside, and he was open. That's what I'm saying. We got to get – we got to score over 30 points a game if we want a chance, you know. We want a chance. Maybe 40. We got a 7-10 to 10 game team no more. Absolutely. Because Purdue is putting up points. And they're gonna put up points next week. I, yeah. I don't think we just established right now we're gonna give up points this year. Yeah, it's about how many we have to score in order to win. Yeah, and it's got to be over thirty a game. Easy. Matter of fact, I feel safer if we get to forty. Yeah, I, feel, I feel safer <laughs> if we get to forty. So we're we playing no crazy offenses yet. We just, yeah. you know, Toledo's really good, but Cam Hart was a mixed bag yesterday. He can, I'll tell you this. He looked apart. He he's there. He's the there. thing about Cam Hart is, I think he got bit. He bit on a swirl route where the guy got him off the line. Nice release, made to the inside, went back out to the outside. Cam bit hard. He just doesn't look like a natural corner though. Well, he got moved over from wide receiver, and it looked like it. It looked like a guy that's like athletic. I'm trying to stay in front of you, like. You know, I ain't got great technique, but I'm. Don't have the instinct. Yeah, and it's like it looks like it, but that's 
Is that what we're putting out on the field? And he's good. But once again, now Marcus Freeman, who wants to play man-to-man, that's his style. He wants to play man-to-man. He has to be able to recruit his type of guys. Yeah, you got to give him time. And he's trying to get the guys that he inherited to play his type of defense. Brian Kelly talked about it. He said, that's the problem. We're trying to go from one defense to another. And he said, yo, we're going to give up some plays, but we just got to go. He said, we have to go ahead and just play the defense we're going to play and and live with it. And and he should make the same decision about his quarterback. I promise you. We do that. So you say that that about your defense. But you can't say it about your offense, which is crazy. But you're absolutely right. You got to let Marcus Freeman get his stuff in, which is fair. But then again, you're trying to make a a team that play man – that it hasn't been good at man for years. For years. Because you don't have the DBs to play it. That's the biggest – you're talking about the biggest hump to change on our defense. That is it right there. Is yeah. Man. So, yeah. that's got to take some time. You can't – that's not a snap of the fingers thing because every coordinator before that, we were zone blitzing team. Yeah. You know, that's why I fit with Lee, fit with what we had with Van Gore at that time because we were some corners that played zone. It's so upsetting. It's so upsetting because, as you said, Cam Hart might not have the instincts, but most of the balls that were called on him, he was right there. It's instinctual. I mean, he was right there. You know, and instead of grabbing, you have to know how to reach around and knock the ball away. Don't let that guy post you up and get his body in between you and the ball. Because, like, you're right there. When he turns back, you're right there to make a play. Right there, yeah. He's phenomenal against the run. Two games in a row. He he likes to come up and tackle. He, and he should play. He should play with the linebacker spots. <laughs> now you're trying to move him to rover. He move he move into a rover. But think about it, moving to a rover situation. Is I damn near like Kyle better playing run and and and, and play a run react than playing just middle field because I just think our linebackers are are going to give up a lot of runs this year. Because we're not physical enough there to be taking on pulling blocks and stuff like that. It's really it's not that I haven't seen our linebackers really involved in the passing game. Right? They, it seems like every time you chasing, drop back, they chasing. They the middle chasing. of the field is wide open. It just feels wide open, doesn't it? It just feels yeah. like somebody's just gonna run right through there every yeah. time. Yes, wide open. Um even when they play the uh the other end copy. When you're looking from the the, the, the end zone, the end zone copy, it's crazy because even then it looks so wide open. They be putting the three guys down there, and it just it looks too spaced out. Yeah. Like, oh my goodness. Something's and although we don't know if that scheme, I doubt it is scheme, but it just it looked like Cincinnati. Yeah. It looks like how they played. It is just like you said. You need rangier linebackers, and you need bigger players. We don't look big on the field when we do that. No, not at all. I will say this. Yesterday was – I've never seen this many freshmen play <laughs> early in the season. Never. Now, that's I one thing. I haven't either. Yo, Deion Cozy, Lorenzo Styles Jr. got on the field. Ramon Henderson was your nickelback. Yeah. And he got a pass interference call when he was right there. Right he was he's on the guy, and he just panics. And yeah. grabs him, he would have been able to make the play or possibly get an interception because right. the ball was thrown behind the receiver anyway. 
Yeah. He was right there. So I like this goes back to your point. If these skilled position guys can get in. (laughs) We know we're not winning that championship this year. That's okay. Yes. Go young and transition the right way, Kelly. Yeah. You you, want to stack stagnant your most important position for the team. Let that young kid get in and lead the other young guys. Yeah. If not, then don't put him in there. You're going to put him in purgatory. You're going to have blogs talking he should be in all season. You're going to have the fans saying stuff to him all season because he's going to get in them two or three plays in the game, make something happen, and everybody's going to be wondering, well, why he's not in there. That's terrible for the offense. I'll tell you one thing. Don't let that kid ball out against Purdue. Don't let him ball out. Don't it's, let him ball out. It's, it's going to swell. And you not make a decision still? Bigger and bigger and bigger each week. Yeah, you're right. Because now you have to you have to give him you a can't not play him ever again. You have to yeah. play him every game moving. You have forward. to play him every game now. Now what? Now what's Jack thinking? Your 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 supposed starter. He's coming off Great Win Florida State. He knows Jack that the guy gotta play every game. He knows it. And see this this is we're in the coaching room. I hope the coaches aren't being lazy. And what I mean by that is it's a lot easier for Tommy Reese to fill out that clean sheet of paper on a Friday night for Jack Cohn than <laughs> it is for Tyler Buckner. <laughs> he, he's going to be like, I got to make new plays for Tyler. He's yeah. coaching himself. And, and this is somebody, as you mentioned, that went through it with Ed. He went through it with Ed. He went through it. I went through it. We all, yeah. yeah. So you know, Tommy. You know what so, this is. So, like. dude, like, if Tyler Buckner eventually becomes the full-time starting quarterback, but if we need a two-minute drill, we're going to bring it back home. That's the same thing they used to do with Tommy Reese for Ed. And it will never work. Hey. Why would you do that to Jack? Jack, Jack, you heard him on TV. <laughs> you heard him on TV yesterday. It was a dream to play there. Why y'all gonna crush his dream like that? <laughs> <laughs> Yo, it's Lucky Lefty Podcast. We'll be back with you. What do you say? What What do you want to do, Malik? I know we're gonna rock out Wednesday. We gotta talk to the fans. What the fans want? What the fans want to see? So. I, I'm thinking <laughs> maybe, maybe we should do something Monday. Yeah, I like after it. Coach Kelly. Yeah. And then uh, we'll probably do something Monday after Coach Kelly talks. And then we'll talk about NFL week one, <clears throat> how it played out, how all these rookie quarterbacks, the NFL teams are smart enough to say, you know what, just play the kids. Just play the kids. Play the kids. Kid. We're kid. not going to be good this year. Jacksonville. And okay. Just and play, the okay. play the kids. You know, Bill Belichick, even Bill Belichick, like, you know what, if Bill Belichick can make a decision and he the greatest coach ever, and and I love Cam, I you know whatever, but he yeah. made a decision and I can respect that. Rocket. And if, and Coach Kelly, if you watch him, Bill Belichick made a decision. Yeah. I'm not saying you got to play Tyler. Right. I'm just saying you got to stick to one and go with it. So we'll drop Monday at noon, and then we'll see you Wednesday at so noon. Wednesday at noon. Let's get it, baby. Monday at noon. Wednesday at noon. Right here, Lucky Lefty Podcast. Once again, Notre Dame comes up with 32-29 victory. 
over Toledo, Notre Dame fans, take a step back. Step back. Don't jump off the ledge. It's an average O-line now. We, I mean, average college football line. We okay. This team can still win. I know we had a difference. I still think this team can win. I watched USC last night. So I still think this schedule is a 10-win schedule. Oh, for sure. For sure. We just we just if we play it close, I like us in every close game, except when we play in teams that are way more talented. I'll tell you the game that bothers me more than it did. Virginia Tech now. It's got to. But that, I mean, that bothered me because it was a road game. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Wisconsin is going to line up and punch. Oh, they're going to line up and run. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, always, I always said, like, Wisconsin can't score enough points. But Now, the only thing I say about Wisconsin, they secondary is atrocious like our secondary. Yeah. Atrocious, but yeah, because Penn State had wide receivers running open like all day. It was, like was nothing. Like it was nothing. But I do think that maybe you know it'll be interesting if they doing this with Jack all season. I know he's going to be affected emotionally yeah. if they do it to him during the Wisconsin game. So yeah, it's going to be tough. All right, so we see you guys Monday at noon, Wednesday at noon. We get give you a little bit of what Brian Kelly talked about, Miss Presser. Review the NFL, and then Wednesday we're back at it, previewing the Purdue game, which is going to be a good game. It always, it always is. So, Lucky Lefty Podcast available on all digital platforms. Go to Apple Podcasts right now. Type in Lucky Lefty. We come up. We spin it different. We spin it different, baby. Yeah. Wow, with the luck, with the lefties. So, for my guy Malik Zaire, you can follow him at Overtime Malik. I'm Sean Davis at SD2 Mics. We'll see you guys tomorrow for another edition of the Lucky Lefty Podcast. Who's out? Yeah. You're listening to the Lucky Lefty Podcast with Malik Zaire. Never will there ever be another like me. Um, you can play the left because it ain't no right me. And Sean Davis.